a journal of the plague year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 26 This longish episode takes up a terribly important topic, beliefs among the author's contemporaries as to how the plague was transmitted. Londoners of the 17th century clearly had a notion of contagion, and naturally enough they believed that the plague was transmitted through contact with infected persons, with their breath or sweat or even their clothing. The actual agent of transmission was unclear, neither bacteria nor the role of the flea being known to them. Nonetheless, if the plague was a result of contact with infected persons, it follows then that the best form of prevention was to avoid contact with them, hence the shutting up of houses. The problem, as the author points out, is that the disease also appeared to be transmitted from people who were ostensibly well, and against that contingency, no quarantine was practical although people did practice a form of social distancing by secluding themselves voluntarily, avoiding crowds, and walking in the middle of the streets, this last a practice known to us today. In one particularly interesting passage, he sketches a simple epidemiological technique of discovering the source of an infection by tracing the contacts the sick person had prior to becoming ill, a method he acknowledges has problems of its own for, quote, None knows how far to carry that back or where to stop. Unquote. There is also the question of the role of God in this calamity. The author acknowledges that while the visitation is an act of God, it is an act carried out through natural means, through physical agents such as those mentioned above. It is in the miraculous recoveries he occasionally sees, including perhaps his own escape from infection, that he discerns the possibility of divine intervention in the day-to-day -day affairs of humans. In the end, unable to assign either a first cause or a specific means of avoiding the plague, he recommends the one true method of staying safe, flight. Also, I ought to leave a further remark for the use of posterity concerning the manner of peoples infecting one another, namely, that it was not the sick people only from whom the plague was immediately received by others that were sound, but the well. To explain myself, by the sick people, I mean those who were known to be sick, had taken their beds, had been under cure, or had swellings and tumors upon them, and the like. These everybody could beware of, they were either in their beds or in such condition as could not be concealed. By the well, I mean such as had received the contagion and had it really upon them, and in their blood, it did not show the consequences of it in their countenances. Nay, even were not sensible of it themselves, as many were not for several days. These breathed death in every place and upon everybody who came near them. Nay, their very clothes retained the infection, their hands would infect the things they touched, especially if they were warm and sweaty, 
and they were generally apt to sweat, too. Now, it was impossible to know these people, nor did they sometimes, as I have said, know themselves to be infected. These were the people that so often dropped down and fainted in the streets, for oftentimes they would go about the streets till the last, till on a sudden they would sweat, grow faint, sit down at a door, and die. It is true, finding themselves thus, they would struggle hard to get home to their own doors, or at other times would be just able to go into their houses and die instantly. Other times they would go about till they had the very tokens come out upon them, and yet not know it, and would die in an hour or two after they came home, but be well as long as they were abroad. These were the dangerous people. These were the people of whom the well people ought to have been afraid. But then, on the other side, it was impossible to know them. And this is the reason why it is impossible in a visitation to prevent the spreading of the plague by the utmost human vigilance. That is, that it is impossible to know the infected people from the sound, or that the infected people should perfectly know themselves. I knew a man who conversed freely in London all the season of the plague in 1665, and kept about him an antidote or cordial on purpose, to take when he thought himself in any danger. And he had such a rule to know or have warning of the danger by, as indeed I have never met with before or since. How far it may be depended on, I know not. He had a wound in his leg, and whenever he came among any people that were not sound, and the infection began to affect him, he said, he could know it by that signal, that is, that his wound in the leg would smart and look pale and white. So as soon as ever he felt it smart, it was time for him to withdraw or to take care of himself, taking his drink, which he always carried about him for that purpose. Now it seems he found his wound would smart many times when he was in company with such who thought themselves to be sound and who appeared so to one another, but he would presently rise up and say publicly, Friends, here is someone in the room that has the plague, and so would immediately break up the company. This was indeed a faithful monitor to all people that the plague is not to be avoided by those that converse promiscuously in a town infected, and people have it when they know it not, and that they likewise give it to others when they know not that they themselves have it. And in this case, shutting up the well or removing the sick will not do it, unless they can go back and shut up all those that the sick had conversed with, even before they knew themselves to be sick, and none knows how far to carry that back or where to stop, for none knows when or where or how they may have received the infection or from whom. This I take to be the reason which makes so many people talk of the air being corrupted and infected, and that they need not be cautious of whom they converse with, for that the contagion was in the air. I have seen them in strange agitations and surprises on this account. I have never come near any infected body, says the disturbed person. I have conversed with none but sound, healthy people, and yet I have gotten the distemper. I am sure I am struck from heaven, says another, and he falls to the serious part. Again, the first goes on, exclaiming, I have come near no infection or infected person. I am sure it is the air. We draw in death when we breathe, and therefore tis the hand of God. There is no withstanding it. And this at last made many people, being hardened to the danger, grow less concerned at it, and less cautious towards the latter end of the time, and when it was come to its height, than they were at first. Then, with a kind of Turkish predestinarianism, they would say, 
If it pleased God to strike them, it was all one, whether they went abroad or stayed at home. They could not escape it, and therefore they went boldly about, even into infected houses and infected company, visited sick people, and, in short, lay in the beds with their wives or relations when they were infected. And what was the consequence? But the same that is the consequence in Turkey, and in those countries where they do those things, namely, that they were infected too, and died by hundreds and thousands. I would be far from lessening the awe of the judgments of God and the reverence to his providence which ought always to be on our minds on such occasion as these. Doubtless the visitation itself is a stroke from heaven upon a city or country or nation where it falls, a messenger of his vengeance, and a loud call to that nation or country or city to humiliation and repentance according to that of the prophet Jeremiah. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now to prompt to do impressions of the awe of God on the minds of men on such occasions, and not to lessen them, it is that I have left those minutes upon record. I say, therefore, I reflect upon no man for putting the reason of those things upon the immediate hand of God, and the appointment and direction of his providence. Nay, on the contrary, there were many wonderful deliverances of persons from infection, and deliverances of persons when infected, which intimate, singular, and remarkable providence in the particular instances to which they refer, and I esteem my own deliverance to be one next to miraculous, and do record it with thankfulness. But when I am speaking of the plague as a distemper arising from natural causes, we must consider it as it was really propagated by natural means. Nor is it at all the less a judgment for its being under the conduct of human causes and effects. For, as the divine power has formed the whole scheme of nature and maintains nature in its course, so the same power thinks fit to let his own actings with men, whether of mercy or judgment, to go on in the ordinary course of natural causes, and he is pleased to act by those natural causes as the ordinary means, accepting and reserving to himself nevertheless a power to act in a supernatural way when he sees occasion. Now it is evident that in the case of an infection there is no apparent extraordinary occasion for supernatural operation, but the ordinary course of things appears sufficiently armed and made capable of all the effects that heaven usually directs by a contagion. Among those causes and effects, this of the secret conveyance of infection, imperceptible and unavoidable, is more than sufficient to execute the fierceness of divine vengeance without putting it upon supernaturals or miracle. The acute penetrating nature of the disease itself was such, and the infection was received so imperceptibly that the most exact caution could not secure us while in the place. But I must be allowed to believe, and I have so many examples fresh in my memory to convince me of it, that I think none can resist their evidence. I say, I must be allowed to believe that no one in this whole nation ever received the sickness or infection, but who received it in the ordinary way of infection from somebody, or the clothes or touch or stench of somebody that was infected before. The manner of its coming first to London proves this also, that is, by goods brought over from Holland, and brought thither from the Levant, 
the first breaking out of it in a house in Longacre where those goods were carried and first opened. It's spreading from that house to other houses by the visible, unwary conversing with those who were sick and the infecting the parish officers who were employed about the persons dead and the like. These are known authorities for this great foundation point, that it went on and proceeded from person to person and from house to house and no otherwise. In the first house that was infected, there died four persons. A neighbor, hearing the mistress of the first house was sick, went to visit her and went home and gave the distemper to her family and died and all her household. A minister called to pray with the first sick person in the second house was said to sicken immediately and die with several more in his house. Then the physicians began to consider, for they did not at first dream of a general contagion. But the physicians being sent to inspect the bodies, they assured the people that it was neither more or less than the plague, with all its terrifying particulars, and that it threatened a universal infection. So many people, having already conversed with the sick or distempered, and having, as might be supposed, received infection from them, that it would be impossible to put a stop to it. Here the opinion of the physicians agreed with my observation afterwards, namely that the danger was spread insensibly, for the sick could infect none but those that came within reach of the sick person, but that one man who may have really received the infection and knows it not, but goes abroad and about as a sound person, may give the plague to a thousand people, and they to a greater number in proportion, and neither the person giving the infection or the persons receiving it know anything of it, and perhaps not feel the effects of it for several days after. For example, many persons in the time of this visitation never perceived that they were infected till they found, to their unspeakable surprise, the tokens come out upon them, after which they seldom lived six hours, for those spots they call the tokens were really gangrene spots, or mortified flesh in small knobs as broad as a little silver penny and hard as a piece of callus or horn, so that, when the disease was come up to that length, there was nothing could follow but certain death. And yet, as I said, they knew nothing of their being infected, nor found themselves so much as out of order, till those mortal marks were upon them. But everybody must allow that they were infected in a high degree before, and must have been so for some time, and consequently their breath, their sweat, their very clothes were contagious for many days before. This occasioned a vast variety of cases which physicians would have more opportunity to remember than I, but some came within the compass of my observation or hearing, of which I shall name a few. A certain citizen who had lived safe and untouched till the month of September, when the weight of the distemper lay more in the city than it had done before, was mighty cheerful, and something too bold, as I think it was, in his talk of how secure he was, how cautious he had been, and how he had never come near any sick body. Says another citizen, a neighbor of his, to him one day, Do not be too confident. It is hard to say who is sick and who is well. For we see men alive and well to outward appearance one hour, and dead the next. That is true, says the first man, for he was not a man presumptuously secure, but had escaped a long while. And men, as I said above, especially in the city, began to be over-easy upon that score. That is true, says he. I do not think myself secure, but I hope I have not been in company with any person that there has been danger in. 
"'No,' says his neighbor. "'Was not you at the Bullhead Tavern in Gracechurch Street the night before last?' "'Yes,' says the first. "'I was. "'But there was nobody there we had any reason to think dangerous.' "'Upon which his neighbor said no more, being unwilling to surprise him. "'But this made him more inquisitive, and as his neighbor appeared backward, "'he was the more impatient, and in a kind of warmth says he aloud, "'Why, he is not dead, is he?' "'Upon which his neighbor still was silent, but cast up his eyes and said something to himself, "'at which the first citizen turned pale.' and said no more but this. Then I am a dead man, too, and went home immediately and sent for a neighboring apothecary to give him something preventive, for he had not yet found himself ill. But the apothecary, opening his breast, fetched a sigh and said no more but this. Look up to God. And the man died a few hours later. Now let any man judge from a case like this if it is possible for the regulations of magistrates either by shutting up the sick or removing them, to stop an infection which spreads itself from man to man even while they are perfectly well and insensible of its approach and may be so for many days. It may be proper to ask here how long it may be supposed men might have the seeds of the contagion in them before it discovered itself in this fatal manner, and how long they might go about seemingly whole and yet be contagious to all those that came near. I believe the most experienced physicians cannot answer this question directly any more than I can, and something an ordinary observer may take notice of, which may pass their observations. The opinion of physicians abroad seems to be that it may lay dormant in the spirits or in the blood vessels a very considerable time. Why else do they exact a quarantine of those who came into their harbors and ports from suspected places? Forty days is, one would think, too long for nature to struggle with such an enemy as this, and not conquer it or yield to it. But I could not think, by my own observation, that they can be infected so as to be contagious to others above fifteen or sixteen days and furthest. And on that score it was, that when a house was shut up in the city, and anyone had died of the plague, but nobody appeared to be ill in the family for sixteen or eighteen days, they were not so strict but they would connive at their going privately abroad. Nor would people be very much afraid of them afterward, but rather think they were fortified the better, having not been vulnerable when the enemy was in their own house, but we sometimes found it had lain much longer concealed. Upon the foot of all these observations, I must say that though Providence seemed to direct my conduct to be otherwise, yet it is my opinion, and I must leave it as a prescription, that the best physic against the plague is to run away from it. I know people encourage themselves by saying God is able to keep us in the midst of danger and able to overtake us when we think ourselves out of danger. And this kept thousands in the town whose carcasses went into the great pits by carloads and who, if they had fled from the danger, had, I believe, been safe from the disaster. At least tis probable they had been safe. And were this very fundamental only duly considered by the people on any future occasion of this or the like nature, I am persuaded it would put them upon quite different measures for managing the people from those that they took in 1665, or than any that have been taken abroad that I have heard of. In a word, they would consider of separating the people into smaller bodies and removing them in time further from one another, and not let such a contagion as this, 
which is indeed chiefly dangerous to collected bodies of people, find a million of people in a body together, as was very near the case before, and would certainly be the case if it should ever appear again. The plague, like a great fire, if a few houses only are contiguous where it happens, can only burn a few houses, or if it begins in a single, or as we call it, a lone house, can only burn that lone house where it begins. But if it begins in a close-built town or city and gets ahead, there its fury increases. It rages over the whole place and consumes all it can reach. <laughs>